latest, newest episode of Game Rivals. I am one of your hosts, Maximum X, and with me as always is the magnanimous, the Gumpla building, the master of unmasking, Sean Templar. How's it going, Sean? I'm good. I wonder if you're ever going to introduce me in, in a normal way instead of with all these fancy ass uh, words because uh, I don't know if people are getting expectations or crazy ex- unrealistic expectations only but... on the day when I uh, ran, run out of words oh man <laughs> well I hope that's soon <laughs> so how uh, how's everything going lately it's uh, been a couple of weeks since we recorded and we're back again yeah I've, I think I have the feeling that a lot happened these last few days uh, especially, we found out some interesting stuff yesterday and the day before. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, um, before we head into the news, there was we did a Q and A episode last week of last episode, and uh, a lot of I don't know if you heard anything, but I heard a few things from some people, and they were actually like happy, and especially around uh, the sensitive topic we covered. Uh, it actually, was like, hey, um, it's an interesting take. Um, I hadn't looked at it from that point of view. But I agree with you that it is uh, something that is happening, uh, and I and I think we addressed it last time as well. Like only by talking about these things can we can it get better um, instead of yeah. hiding it under the rug and pretending if it's an elephant in the room. But we um, we did miss a question that was submitted by someone, so sorry for that. But we'll cover it right now, uh, which was because it was a really good question. Uh, but it was because it was submitted in a different way. I didn't have it all in one place. So the question would be, um, and, I, and it's also thing, a thing we forgot to cover last time, but Sony is making a Ghost of Tsushima movie. Um, we talked about it like a bit, but I think that might be one of the reasons why we accidentally missed this one. It could be. But the question is, with Ghost of Tsushima announced being made into a movie, how do you feel about Sony making their games as movies? Yeah, let's, uh, let, let's, let's come back to that when they actually release a movie. Because uh, they've announced like a bunch of movies and none of them have ever come out. So, you know, kudos. Well, the bar's been set by the Super Mario movie that came out 30 years ago. So anything <laughs> above that, is, it's, it's better. No, no, no. The bar has been reset multiple times, man. No, no, no. no. The bar is that awful Super Mario movie. Which, by the way, I didn't know, but there's apparently also a Super Mario animation movie in development by the guys that did the, the Despicables. But I didn't know that. Yeah, like that was literally announced like five years ago. Yeah, but I, like I don't follow I don't follow Nintendo news. You know that. <laughs> now it just blew people's eardrums out probably because of that. But uh, yeah, so I mean, like um, I, I know that Sony has created like a whole separate division called uh, PlayStation Productions, and um, they are tr- trying to develop their game IPs into other IPs. So we have like the the Uncharted movie. The Last of Us TV show, um, now the Ghost of Tsushima uh, movie. They did a Ratchet and Clank animation movie. I never watched it. Um, I don't think they did it themselves. They had someone else do it for them. Um, the funny thing is, is that I think there was like this short that came out related to Ratchet and Clank a couple of weeks ago, which Sony didn't actually promote. Um, they didn't even market it, but it's apparently really good. And that's why people are really surprised that it's so good and it's not being marketed. Um, but yeah, I think it's, 
I think it's an interesting thing to do, but the only tricky thing about these things is it's the same like with the, the Last of Us uh, TV show, is that as a fan, you have a certain expectation of who should do the role. And in, in the case, for example, of The Last of Us, they announced that uh, Pedro Pascal, 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 the, the, the Mandalorian, basically, yeah. he's going to play Joel, which, I mean, he's a great actor, but people, I, I would like automatically go like, hmm, I had someone else in mind that would have been the perfect Joel, at least in my mind. So that automatically you're, you're really curious to see how he's going to do. I know that uh, Troy Baker came out and endorsed it and said like, hey, I'm really looking forward to see where you take us on this journey. So, I mean, if the voice actor for Joel endorses you, then I think it's already a, a, a win. Um, but yeah, I think it's difficult to, one, meet fan expectation because who you cast for the role. And secondly, how you do it from a story point of view. Because if you're literally going to follow, if you're literally going to make a movie about the game, some things that work in games don't work in movies and it's the same way or other way around. So, I mean, those are like things. And I know that in the case of the last of us TV show, they said it will mostly be set in the first game, but uh, it won't follow the first game line by line. Ah, well, that makes sense because that would not work at all. Um, but, um, I mean, the same thing goes kind of for the uncharted movie. I mean, that's recording, right? The recording right now. That's uh, in production right now. I think uh, they've with... finished filming it, but did they finish for... filming it? Yeah, I think or... they did, but they pushed it with like I think another year. It was going to come out this year, and I think they delayed it into next year. Yeah, I think they like a lot of stuff got delayed into next year again because of the the thing that we uh, rather not talk about because it's still going on. Um, I don't know why we're doing what why but by the way we're we're pretending like this is this haunting ghost i mean it's a pandemic and the world is in it and it's the way it is and we just have to accept it yeah but that's also the reason why stuff is being delayed so. yeah but like you sometimes <laughs> you mention it like it's voldemort he who must not be named <gasps> oh no the pandemic oh i'm like yeah it's just a pandemic man people got used to it yeah still sucks mm -hmm. so yeah with i mean even nolan north like gave his blessing to to um Tom, Tom Holland so and they were on set um i think like one day he was like on the set of one of the shoots so yeah i mean we'll see but i mean a lot of people are like why are you choosing this young dude to play Nathan who at best is like in his i want to say in his like early 30s in the games I don't know because Tom Holland in real life is like in his twenties, I think. He's in his mid twenties. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. So people are like, "Oh, is he playing like a young Nathan Drake?" I think or... that's the case. That's like yeah. a young origin story, something like that. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I played I played uh, Uncharted three, so like I've seen a young version of Nate. Um. Yeah, in Uncharted Four, you you get you'll get to see more about that, but yeah, I have to get there first. Yep. So but yeah, I, I mean, to, I mean, like I'm excited. I mean, of course, it's tricky because game movies never or almost never work. But if if pulled off, I mean, the people that are working on on the Last of Us TV show, for example, it's HBO, and I think it's the producer of Chernobyl that's also working on it. And I mean, I don't know if you saw Chernobyl, but 
I love Chernobyl. It's I think it's one of the best TV shows of the last few years. Um, a lot of people agree. Um, it is just spot on. I, I mean, if they if if a person like that joins, it, it only adds more confidence to the project. And I mean, Neil Druckmann is also writing the script together with another screenwriter. So um, there is a lot of involvement from Naughty Dog. It's not like here's our IP and make make of it what you want. Yeah, see, that's the only positive thing about it. It's the same thing with the Super Mario movie that's coming out from Illumination. Like, um, Miyamoto is, you know, like, co-producing that movie. So that means that it, they're getting, like, seal of approval from, like, the the man himself. You know, they're not just letting them do whatever they want, which is kind of what happened with the, with the, with the 90s movie, which is so unbelievably bad. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it, but I dare not watch it because of how mediocre it is. Yeah, don't like if you're gonna watch it, watch it with friends and just know that you're just watching something horrible and funny. Um, but funny for all the wrong <laughs> reasons. Oh man. And I, I think you can have you, you can have a good time if you're going in it with the right mindset, if you're like put your expectations out the window. But uh, yeah, if you're watching, if you're watching it because you think it's gonna be a good movie, don't because it's not. Like I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and I've seen that movie twice. But it was that was because it was on TV. Oh my god, you must have wasted how many hours of your life by watching it? Uh, I think it's like an hour and a half, so that's like what three, something like that. But like the first time I watched it, I mean, I'm a I'm a dumb kid, so I thought it was cool. But <laughs> but I um, think that's the thing with a lot of things. Like I I remember the A Team when I was growing up, and I loved the A Team. And when I watched it a couple of years ago, I was like, what? Did I really like this so much when I was growing up? I mean, nobody dies. There's always a car that flips. They're always getting locked up into something, forcing them to build stuff. Yeah, and then they never shoot at people. They always shoot in front of the feet of people. And I'm like, wow, did I really like this when I was growing up? I think a lot of stuff is like that. I mean, true, but eh, it's fine, man. That, that, That stuff is fine. It's camp. It's camp. It's meant to be camp. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, but um, uh, moving on to uh, unless you had anything more to say about like nope. the Shima movie, like, nope, I'm nope, I'm nope. curious about it. The only thing I'm wondering is, will they put out a normal cut and a Kurosawa cut? I think that would be cool if they did a, a like a black and white. Uh... <laughs> but uh, I think they'd have to get permission from like the Kurosawa estate again, like they did for the game. So yeah. I don't know. Because that's what they did for for the game. They like went to the Kurosawa State and were like we want to do this game in this specific style, and they approved it. So that's cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, moving on into the news. Uh, there's there is quite some stuff to talk about. I don't know what you want to tackle first, but um, I think we should tackle the one that came out more recently because that has a lot of implications on how. Um, at least Sony is handling video game production, apparently. Uh, yeah. So there was this big article uh, by uh, Jason Schreier, um, who at this point I almost kind of feel like we should try and get into contact with because we tend to talk about his articles a lot, especially now since he moved to Bloomberg. But he's clearly getting the resources that he felt he was lacking at other places that he's worked before because... 
he's been doing a lot of uncovering like big news stuff in the gaming industry lately. And in this time, it's uh, it's about two games uh, from Sony. Uh, one is Days Gone, uh, Days Gone, and a potential sequel that might have been pitched. Um, and the other is that there is a remake of The Last of Us uh, being made for PlayStation Five. Yes. So, which one do you want to tackle first? Because um, both kind of have weird implications. Um, I don't know what like I don't know which one's gonna take more time. I think they're both gonna take some time to talk about. Um, I think, I think for example, with the Last of Us, we we mentioned we talked about it offline. Is that you said like why are they doing it? And I said okay, but the Last of Us is is ten years old or more than ten years old, and um, I think they they wanting to remake the game is a two part move. Um, one because it's just a great game. Um, and secondly, because The Last of Us is a hot property right now, so of course, from a financial point of view, it's interesting to remake that game. Mm-hmm. Um, could be that a lot of people missed out on The Last of Us when it first came out. I don't know how many people played it on the PS3, um, which which is funny because, for example, when I look at what I see on Instagram, I see a lot of people that are playing The Last of Us for the first time. And a lot of them are like, why didn't I play this game before? And my response is like, yeah, why didn't you play this game before? <laughs> but besides that... That's your response to anybody. Yeah. But besides that, I mean, <laughs> apparently a lot of people missed out. And it could be for multiple reasons. It could be because they primarily played on a different console at the time. Or that they were for a long time um, not into those kind of games. And that mm. because of The Last of Us 2, because it generated so much buzz, that people got interested in it. Um so I think that partly is 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 a reason to do it. Of course, the financial reason to do it. I mean, um, if if anything, Sony has proven over these last two generations is that they are more a single player focused uh, publisher instead of a multiplayer focused publisher. Um, they don't have any live games or at least big live games. Um, and I think I think I can't remember for sure. But I think it is one of the focuses for them this generation to do more with multiplayer and to create more of those uh, big uh, games that that you can play for multiple seasons, such as a Fortnite or Call of Duty or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of people might get disgruntled about it because they're like, yeah, but why are you doing it or uh, whatever reason. Uh, I personally think that a lot of people would buy it regardless if the if they are a critic now they will stand up, uh, end up buying it because it's a great game i mean when it came out it got tens across the board and a lot of people said this is the best ps3 game of the generation mm-hmm. um i mean i played it on the ps3 at the time and i loved it i played it again i think twice on the ps4 uh, i finished it just before the last of us 2 came out um so yeah i mean i would definitely buy it um, they have me there. As for, I, I mean, I don't know what you think about it. Well, I mean, I kind of already uh, told you a little bit how I feel about it. It's more in the sense that it's not like the game is not unavailable. Here's my, here's my, here's my thing with like remakes, right? If you're remaking the game, then you better do a good job in providing a new experience, um, because. 
Final Fantasy VII Remake has set a new bar for what it means to be a remake. Like a remaster, that's fine. They already remastered it for PlayStation 4. I played that version. It's perfectly fine. I mean, you can still notice some PlayStation 3-isms here and there in terms of like the look and a bit of the gameplay, but out, not even the gameplay because the gameplay is still the same. But uh, I, the reason why I'm thinking like, why are they doing a remaster? And especially since the whole thing with the remaster is that it was apparently uh, being developed originally by a completely different studio. The quality they, that they were putting out wasn't as good as Sony wanted it to be. And now it's being developed by naughty dogs themselves internally so that means that whatever resources or whatever they were working on before they had to take on this project has been put on hold or is being worked on by a very small team well we don't know because naughty dog does have two teams i mean when they were working on uncharted for example on the ps3 they were at the same time also working on the last of us so um naughty dog has multiple teams it could be that they just split that that they still work in the in those two teams. It could also be that I know with The Last of Us Two, for example, I think the whole of Naughty Dog was working on it because of the sheer scale of the game. But normally, Naughty Dog does have two teams. That's generally the approach a lot of Sony studios have. Uh, Insomniac has two teams because they're both working on Miles Morales, at the, for example, and they were are working on Ratchet and Clank. Um, there are rumors that Guerrilla has a second team which is working on a SOCOM game. Which I really hope is true. Um, that's so calm. I mean, that, that that was an awesome franchise. So I like a lot of studios have two teams uh, just to be able to uh, tackle multiple projects like a new IP and an existing IP. Yeah, but that still means that you're shifting resources. Even if they're working with two teams, one of those teams is now working on something that they weren't expecting to be working on because they were probably working on something else entirely or getting ready to work on something else we don't know that right now yeah i think the rumors um, say something about a multiplayer mode for the last of us too yeah sure. the first last of us did have multiplayer i don't know if you know that but yeah i know that but i didn't did i try to play i don't even think i tried to play it like, i played I it it was actually nice i just didn't play a lot of multiplayer games at the time but it was pretty nice yeah. um, like i feel like whenever a single player game has a single-player narrative-driven game has multiplayer for whatever reason. It feels like it's tacked on. But this, the, the funny thing is, is this wasn't tacked on because this took a different direction. It had a multiplayer called Factions. So uh, you need to, for example, build up a settlement and get people for that settlement and also main, sustain them and keep have like food and medicine and stuff like that. It wasn't your typical team deathmatch, which they basically, well, for example, they did that with Uncharted. They tacked on multiplayer, and I never liked no that, kidding. but, yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's, um, like, if if they can do it justice, that's fine. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, it, like, it makes more sense to do a remake of stuff that is either really hard to come by or just doesn't exist in that format, or if the original game had flaws that they wanted to fix. Because at least at that level, then I get it, right? Because, for example, with... Well, kind of can't say that anymore because... Wow, did we miss talking about that? Because, like, for example, Final Fantasy VII Remake, 
Um, I think it. I think we didn't talk about it. I think I missed it. No, I no. I, or did I? Damn it, I forget. We talk about a lot of things. <laughs> we do. So, um, Final Fantasy VII Remake is getting the PlayStation 5 version, right? We at talked about time. it on the episode with Havoc. Yeah. So, at the same time, they're also working on a remake of the remake. Which is to say, they're remaking Final Fantasy VII as is, but with um, new aesthetics. So, the st- aesthetics based off the remake. What? For mobile. Yeah, see what we, so we did. Oh, yeah, the mobile, yeah, yeah. The mobile one, yeah. yeah. So that one is basically a faithful recreation of the original game. But Final Fantasy VII Remake is a reimagining of that story. So that feels way more interesting. And when I played it and finished it, I said, too, like, I was very impressed with that game. So what are they going to do with The Last of Us Remake that is going to, like, be on that level, Right. Because you're saying it's a remake, not a remaster. If you're saying, if they were saying that they were remastering it again for PlayStation 5, I'd be like, why are you doing this? And why is this not just a free upgrade for people that have the remake on PlayStation 4? But since they're doing a, since they're doing a proper remake, so from the ground up, meaning, um, yeah, I'm curious to see what it is. I, I just hope it's not a, cash grab because that would be really disappointing because i'd rather be i'm way more interested to see what Nandi Dog is doing next other than having them having to pick up the slack from another team that wasn't able to cut it yeah neil Druckmann a while ago on twitter said i can't talk about what we're doing right now please stop asking us but uh, i can tell he you he has his hands full yeah but he said like but I can tell you that it's really exciting stuff, and we're working on multiple things which you will like. Mm, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, as for the Days Gone 2 bitch that went wrong, um, I personally think that Days Gone is one of the most underrated games on the PS4. Um, which is now available on PS Plus. So if you have PlayStation Plus, download it now if you haven't yeah. played it. Yeah, it's also in the PlayStation Plus collection if you have PS5. Um but the funny thing about Days Gone is that when it came out, it got okay reviews. And the developer put a lot of time and effort into fixing a lot of the, the, the issues with the game. Um, I played the game in 2019, I think, or no, in 2020. And I, uh, I bought it for cheap because I thought, like, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to like it. The reviews are mixed. I'll just buy it for cheap. And in the end, I would have bought the game for 60 bucks. After I finished it. And I think, and that's what I see now a lot, is that a lot of people are trying Days Gone now or recently, and they all say the same thing. It is such an underrated title. It is a really, really good game. I think the issue is is that a lot of people compare it to The Last of Us, but it, it is not comparable to The Last of Us because it is, it, it. I mean, the only comparison you could make is that in The Last of Us, there's... So- I wouldn't even call them zombies, but like in, in 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 Days Gone, they're called freakers, and there's like multiple kinds of freakers. But I mean, it's an open world. It I think it would be more comparable to a Daisy, uh, a World War Z, than a Last of Us comparison. I mean, I the game had a pretty cool um, after credit scene, which opened the door for a sequel. Um, I, I truly hope they will work on uh, Days Gone too because it was a really great game. Um, I yeah, I'm just a, a pro, an advocate or a promoter for this game. I mean, um, I would definitely buy it the day it comes out. 
take my money already uh, and please do something with this game because um, it deserves a proper sequel. Hashtag Days Gone 2. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've downloaded to my PlayStation, but I haven't I haven't started playing it yet. Um, I am curious about it. So, yeah, I mean, considering that it's free now for people that have PlayStation Plus, at, at, at least I recommend on that level. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, just if you're not going to play it now, that's fine. Just don't forget to claim it at the very least. Yeah. So, speaking of stuff that died, well, this, this isn't dead, but we have some delays. Um, two, in fact, actually. So, Deathloop has been delayed, um, and Arkham Knights has been delayed. Um, do you have details on till when, when Deathloop has been delayed? Because I know that, at the very least, Arkham Knights has been delayed till next year. Deathloop has been delayed till September 14th, I think. Ooh, whoa, wait. Why is it delayed so long? Do you know well, that? it was already delayed till May, I think. Yeah, or it June. was delayed before. Yeah. yeah, May or June. And uh, now it's delayed to September because I, I think it's 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 uh, the pandemic playing a part that they just want to make sure. I mean, in, in the statement they put out on Twitter, they said that they want to be able to, they gave the standard answer. Like, we want to be able to polish and, and create a quality game that you expect from us. Um, so that's why we're taking extra time. And I mean... It's a new franchise. It looks really cool. Arcane has done some really great games in the past, like Dishonored and Prey. Um, so you do know. In, in, I would like looking at their record. I would say like, hey, um, they made great games. So uh, please do take your time to make this great game. And especially since it's a new IP, you only get one chance at this new IP. If you mess it up, it's it's done. Um, mm-hmm. Not that they have to fear anything since they're part of Microsoft now, but still. I kind of wonder if that is that was part of it that them being rolled into Microsoft's environment might have caused the delay because they're probably like shifting offices maybe and or at the very least shifting from like working environments um, in terms of like systems or whatnot maybe I don't know I don't know I have no idea how mergers work <laughs> as you can tell I, I wouldn't um, expect that to have impact on. The game that you're working on from a tools point of view it's not like mm. oh well you're using these tools but since we bought you you're gonna have to use these other ones and they're like <laughs> oh okay yeah that'll just set us back six months but hey fine man since you're paying the bill now or whatever no I don't, I don't think it's like that but uh yeah you never know uh, oh my goodness what if it was that <laughs> yeah that would be crazy because then basically every game would get a delay oh. but the funny thing is though because that's I wonder if that's not, speaking of mergers, mm-hmm. a couple of months ago, Codemasters was bought by EA, whereas Take-Two had originally done a bid and then EA came out of the blue and bought them. Uh, now EA is basically the place for race games. Um, so I read a rumor the other day that the new Formula One game that's going to come out this year has a story mode in it, like an actually story mode. Because normally it's just basically a career mode, you pick a team, and you race to win the constructor. Or um, with 2020, you can create your own team and be the manager and the driver at the same time. But now they're saying that there's actually like a story mode in it. And I wonder if that's something they were planned, uh, they planned out doing it already, or if that was something that EA kind of put in there. Because I know that I don't think it's in there now, but I think uh, like a couple of years ago, FIFA also got a story mode where you had like a specific character that you played with. 
and that you went through all these these highs and lows in your career um, as a football player. And um, I don't know if people liked it or not. I think they did it for one or two games and they stopped doing it, or maybe it's still there. I don't know. But uh, that was so strange because you're not used to that. And I don't think that's the reason why people buy sports games because they're like, I just want to play with my team. I don't care about building up this story. Yeah, so I think they did that since two. I want to say two thousand eighteen. I'm not sure. I think they did it for two years and then they stopped. But then again, I don't play FIFA, so. Yeah, I don't know if they did it this year because because the because they did it for two years because they were because it was the sec the second time they did it it was following the same character, um. So the story basically continued from one game to the next. Yeah. But I don't know if I don't know if they did that afterwards anymore. Yeah. Not that people care. I don't know. I mean like in Formula One uh in twenty nineteen they had a a story mode kind of thing in there in which you will start out as a rookie in Formula Two and you have to do a few races and then there's like cutscenes and you have a rival and that rival follows you into Formula One. But Besides the Formula 2 part, there wasn't really a, any story involved, which I'm fine with. Mm-hmm. I don't think sports games need uh, story modes because, I mean, the way I see it, a sports game allows you to have this fantasy or fulfill this fantasy that you have of being the coach of your favorite team or being the manager or being part of your favorite team because you w- love watching American football or soccer or Formula One or whatever. Yeah. Which is, the, I mean, it's basically that, that old school mentality of, um, you know, you know the, the, the school ground politics of, <laughs> yeah, my team is better than your team. Oh, yeah, well, my team can beat your team. Uh, yeah. Let's find out. Uh, let's play FIFA. Yeah. It's, it's basically that. It's basically yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Why have a story mode in it at all? Just, I, I mean... They used to have, at least in the FIFA, you had, like, the road to the World Cup. That makes sense, right? Because, yeah. you know, you're trying to get your team to the World Cup. I, I love but that I, in FIFA 98 because you could tackle the the keeper of the... Oh, my Bozina. God. We were thinking literally about the same game. Yeah, I did that. I did that. I mean, I, I remember qualifying for, uh, for the World Cup. And then the first thing I did was tackle the keeper. And I got a red card. And then I, I, I went to the World Cup. And then, like... The match before the finals, I did it again, and I got another red card, and then my keeper got suspended, and I still won the World Cup. I never had uh, I never had a, a, a memory card at that time, so I was never able to do that. Oh, crap. So I was just doing exhibition matches, Aww. because that's the only thing that doesn't change if you don't have a memory card. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Good times, though. Good times. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but like... I think we are so fortunate. I I am so grateful that I live in this time of gaming because I have been able to experience, and you as well, we have been able to experience so many generations of consoles and of gaming. I mean, I started out on the NES. I don't know if you started out on the NES. I started out on the Atari 2600. To be fair, I started out on the Super Nintendo, but the Atari 2600 is my first memory. And mm-hmm. it wasn't mine, it was my dad's. Yeah, so like, so, I mean, like, yeah. going back that far, I mean, I played on the NES, the SNES, 
uh, I got a PS1. A friend of mine had a had an N64. I played on a GameCube. I played on a PS2. I played on an Xbox 360. I mean, like, I, I think I played on... I, I only skipped all the Nintendo handhelds besides the Game Boy Color and the Pocket. So I did, I did. I skipped all down the whole DS era. But when I think about it... It's a good era. I, I, I hear that often. <laughs> but, like, when I think about it, I'm like, wow, I am so fortunate to have played all these generations of games. I mean, if you look at kids from these days, all they basically know are... Mobile games on a yeah, mobile games on a tablet, and stuff on a switch maybe, and that's it. And like, well, it sucks to be you, little man, because you missed (laughs) out on so much. But they'll they'll never know because that I always say that like that what you don't know you won't miss. Yeah. But when they actually realize like there are so many great games that you missed on, it really sucks to be you. Unless you have a really awesome gaming parent who will you know, show you the ropes. Um, cause, cause I've seen like, like some gaming parents that try to introduce, um, you know, retro games to their kids through like, you know, the classic minis, mm-hmm. um, that are out or services that have, um, you know, classic games yeah. uh, or buying classic games on systems, you know, that they were re-released. Like for example, all the Sonic games are pretty much available on like steam, for example. And, um, I love seeing that. I love seeing parents sharing the classic games because like, like you said, man, we've been really fortunate that to have lived through multiple generations. I mean, like the coolest thing that I can remember is that I had a super Nintendo, but it's the European version. My cousin had the U S version because, um, his big sister lives in the U S and she kept sending him stuff from there. So we played a lot of games that weren't even available in Europe. For example, Final Fantasy VI, a.k.a. Final Fantasy III. That was the way that I played it. I played it at his place because he had a U.S. He had a US system. His best friend had a Sega Dreamcast. Uh, Dreamcast, sorry. Sega Mega Drive. So wow. we played like Desert Strike and Urban Strike and stuff like that at his place. Um, and at sleepovers, and it was fantastic. We played Streets of Rage. We played all the Streets of Rage back then. Nice. Good memories, you know, like, played N64 stuff. I never owned an N64, but I played a lot of N64 stuff. I loved um, GoldenEye on the N64. I mean, you know, gold, yeah, oh GoldenEye, obviously. Um, Snowboard Kids is one of my personal favorites. Uh, you know, I've I've had console since i mean i've been buying nintendo consoles myself since the game boy advance um well actually that's not true the last console that i the first console i ever bought was the wii but the first thing i bought from nintendo was a game boy advance with my with the money that i made for my first like part-time job during the summer <laughs> <laughs> like that was my goal with that summer it's oh like, nice you know i can i can i can have a part-time job now i'm 16 I want a game by Advance. I'm a buy it for myself. So I worked for it, bought it, bought Konami Crazy Races. Good times we had by all. Oh, man. I miss but, those days. Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> 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 that's why um, that's why stuff like the PlayStation 3, the PlayStation Vita, and the PlayStation Portable stores closing this summer is a real bummer. Because there are a lot of games there digitally that you can't get anywhere else unless you pay an arm and a leg for it that you can buy in those stores for relatively cheap and those will be gone forever after it will what was it june 5th 
Uh, I don't know. Or July exactly. 5th, something like that. Yeah, something June, in summer. June 5th or something. Um, I'll have to look it up later. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a really nasty move. I mean, why? You know what? The, the, not the why, but the way they did it. Because a couple of months ago, they, or not even a couple of, like, I think, like, maybe two months ago or, like, six weeks ago, they took away the ability for you to buy games through the website or through other systems. So yeah. if you want to buy games now for those systems, you have to own the system. You have to connect that thing to the internet, if possible at all. And then you have to put credit on there so that you can buy it for that system, for that account. And then you can download them. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of steps. I mean... Yeah, but like, to, I think, you know what... The thing and I think we talked about it before, but it's a, to me, it's more about preservation. And luckily for me, I have most of the games that I want, but there are still some games that I still want to buy on the PlayStation 3 at the very least. But the other thing that we even didn't stop to think about is that apparently there are still developers making games for the Vita. Yeah. And those are getting screwed over because they were not notified by Sony that this was happening. They found out when we did. So yeah, people that nice. were working on projects for the Vita for the Vita store basically had to either move their project to something else or cancel it outright. And apparently there are still developers who have games out on the Vita that are making an income of those games. So once that store is closed, that is a revenue stream that is gone for them. Okay, but I'm going to be honest here. Because... Yeah, Sony can be a big bad wolf in this in in this whole setup. But let's be honest: the PSP came out in what 2005. The PS3. I'm not talking came... about the PSP. I'm talking about the Vita. Yeah, yeah, but like I'm talking about it in the whole because it's the Vita, the PSP, and the PS3 store. So the PSP came out in 2005. The the PS3 came out in 2006. The Vita came out in what 2010 or something. Let me look yeah, that up. something like that. I'm just gonna look it up quickly. PS Vita came out in 2011. So like a store that's been live for more than 15 years, uh, another store that's been live for more than 15 years and a store that's been live for more than 10 years. I do understand the issue, but let's be honest, 15 years, that's a long time. And yeah, I get the whole part about preservation, but I mean, it's like the same when, when optical drive started to disappear. People were like, oh, no, the optical drive is going away. And I always used to say, but wait, when is the last time you used a CD or DVD? Or when, when was the last time you burned a CD or a DVD? And they couldn't give me the answer. They were all like, uh. And I was like, is it the fact that it's going away, that, that, you, that that's the, the, the weight of the issue, or is it the fact that you really use it a lot and now you can't use it a lot? And then people will often say it's more the idea of me not being able to do it than the fact that I actually use it a lot. So like, okay, but that's more like an emotional argument that you feel like you're being stripped of an ability. But when you look at it from a critical point of view, you actually don't use it. And it's the same with this. Yes, I get it. But like Sony discontinued the Vita and it sucks that it's it's that the revenue stream for some people are going away. But that's basically life. That's basically how business works. And at the same time, we've got so many opportunities because you can bring your stuff 
to mobile or to Steam or to the Epic Games or so like, yeah, it sucks. But at the same time, we live in an age that there are so many other ways to distribute your your product. And yeah, it sucks that Sony wasn't nice to you and said, hey, man, this game you're working on, just keep in mind that in six months, we're going to shut down the store. So yeah, I mean, the heads options. up is the part that... That's, yeah, okay, that's, yeah, I mean, I'm fair. Uh, that's fair. That would be really nice. But the whole part about people making this an issue because I see people like crazy buying games now yeah because they, they, re- play because they realize that not only that they want to play it but yeah. the access to it is it's not just the access it's the pricing right because right now because as soon as that as soon as those games are no longer available see those prices skyrocket on ebay well and i don't I'm, know about that because, because because there are a lot of games out there that cost like a lot right now if you want to buy a physical copy and i was talking to uh I was talking I had this conversation with uh with our mutual friend on Instagram Kai because he bought a lot of games on uh, on PlayStation because he saw that and was like well I kind of want these games but if I want them physically it's going to cost me an arm and a leg just to have them so yeah. might as well buy it now now I still have the chance yeah but like and- did he buy it now because the store's going offline because otherwise he might never have bought the games well, I think it was always in his repertoire to get it eventually, but I think he was more aiming to get a physical copy. Okay. But now that the digital and cheaper option is going away, you know, it kind of sucks. So, I mean, if you have if you have a physical collection, you know, good for you, kudos. But not everybody has a physical collection that they can fall back on. Yeah. It would be nice if we did. But they stopped making these games physically a long time ago. So this is the only way to get them. Yeah. And as someone who has lived through it before with the Wii, the Wii Shop channel closing and DSiWare uh, Shop, the, the DSiWare cha- um, store closing as well, I've lived through this before. There are games that I only recently found out that, are, that were on DSiWare. And I'm like, well, crap. I kind of wish I knew that and bought it then. At least I would have access to it because now I can't buy them anymore. Yeah, I mean, like, this, this is something that you will always have. And, I mean, it, I think we're, I don't know if it's the correct word. I think we're we're a bit spoiled with choice that there's so much that we can play that we sometimes only focus on the new and the fancy. Um, I mean, one of the things that I've been doing this year is uh, focusing on my backlog because uh, it's always been lurking in the shadows, crying and whispering at me, why won't you play with us? And I always just cover it up with like a towel or something where I lock it behind <laughs> the door so I don't hear him. I, I muffle the screams. Uh, yeah. Oh, that sounds so so messed up. I, I know. I know, but it works. So I, I don't have restless nights anymore. I can at least sleep. Um, but what I've done is, is I've basically made a list of all the games that I have and I was like, be really critical, like, do I still want to play this game? Or did I buy it at the time as an impulse? And that's actually a pretty nice criteria to have. Is this an impulse buy or do I want to play it? And I made a list of, I think, around 24, 26 games. And so far, I've been able to finish six games off that list. And with some of those games, I would have never played them if I didn't make the list. And a lot of them were like surprising games for me. It was um, one I played was L.A. Noir. I played L.A. Noir on the PS3. I liked it. I was like, eh, you know, it's okay. And I bought L.A. Noir as an impulse years ago for 10 or 15 euros. And it sat sealed in my collection. 
So I thought like, you know what? I'm just going to play this game. And I picked it up and I finished it in like a couple of days. And I actually enjoyed the game. Uh, I, it inspired me to do this crazy detective murder mystery story on, on Instagram. I made a post about it uh, where I was kind of like in the caption, I was like a detective that was arriving at the scene of the crime. And, you know, I, I said, oh, but I'm like, that really was fun for me because I played a game and I could translate that experience into a fun post I could do on Instagram, for example. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I even had the glasses with the ketchup blood on it. And people were like, oh, I really like the fact that you had a knife and blood in there and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, you know, just because I really like this game. Uh, so for me, that's really working. And I mean, normally I would only play AAA games that got announced, you know, like the God of Wars and the Horizon Zero Dawns and the Days Gone and stuff like that. We're spoiled for choice. And I think we don't realize that. And it's unless you're really like an indie gamer or you really like playing other stuff. I mean, like you love JRPGs. That's something I probably won't touch because it's just not my kind of game. And I think because we're so spoiled for choice, we forget stuff. And at moments like this, we realize like, oh, no, there's so much I still want to play. But I always looked at the, the, the fancy, shiny stuff, whereas the other stuff could also be very fancy and shiny, but I never gave it the attention it deserves. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's maybe like an issue now that people lost sight of all of that. And now they feel rushed because they have to buy it all because it's going away. Kind of like with Super Mario 3D World or whatever it's called. Ah, don't even get me started on that nonsense. Yeah, but like that's basically what's happening now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that is terrible. Um, I mean, I I personally, but I don't think it's possible. I personally would be an, an advocate for a service that just allows all the games that ever come out to get like a digital copy and be put online and that there's an organization that just makes sure that, that it's so basically the money they would earn from selling a game would go to two places, one to the developer because it's their share and two as an upkeep cost to keep that service going. But that's it. That's like a foundation that does it. Cause I don't know if they still do it, but I know with, with movies, for example, uh, somebody once told me that if a movie is shot, both digitally or on film, it gets printed on film. Then that film gets shipped off to an underground bunker somewhere in the in the in the desert in the, in states, purely for preservation point of view. So, for example, if there ever would be something like I don't know a war that wipes out a lot of stuff, they could still fall back on that archive they have on the ground on film, so that they would still preserve a piece of video culture, to put it that way, of movie culture which is like this super cool uh, thing that they do. I don't know if they still do it or not, but when I heard it, I was like, wow, that's really, really nice. And with games, you don't have that. And I understand that some games can never be digitalized, well, like with older games and cartridges. But or if you... Arcade games. Arcade games. But if you look at it, like if, if a foundation were to be created and that foundation says, we're solely going to preserve this all digitally and... We're not going to make any money off of it. We just want people to be able to experience this and to the developers to get their fair share. I mean, how awesome would that be? Well, there is the video game, um, the video game history foundation. Dang it. Is it the video game history foundation or the, the video game preservation foundation? I forget. Um, that is, that is doing exactly that. They're archiving all like games as much as possible as they can. And 
you know, they were like the founder for that, Frank Safaldi, he was like super ex- uh, upset with the, the closing of the stores, obviously, because that's, you know, part of his job. So um, it's just, uh, what, is, what, was, what was I saying? I mean, it, it kind of sucks for, for them because they can't preserve that all in one time. What a side tangent. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, you know, it's it's something that it's something that needed to be brought up um cuz I kind of forgot to add that. So uh the Video Game History Foundation, by the way. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So, outside of that, um and preserving stuff and showing them as intended, um well, th- does that even make sense? No. So let's just jump right into it. Avengers is on PlayStation now. Yes, but it's the PS4 version, apparently. So even when you play the PS5 version, you still play the PS4 version. Despite the fact that there's a PlayStation 5. I don't know why. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know why either. I don't know why. I cannot imagine that it's a Sony move. I think it's a Square Enix move. But then again, I don't know. Maybe it's a restriction of PlayStation now. Because you know you can play PlayStation Now games also on other other systems, so you wouldn't have the enhancements in terms of like the DualSense enhancements. I, it could I'm be like a technical thing because PS Now hasn't upgraded to. I mean, PlayStation it works five games. I know it works on the PS Five. You can use PS Now on PS Five. It's just that. Maybe it's like a technical limitation that the system. I mean, more like a systematic limitation in which. The system has been built on a PS4 foundation, and they still need to add the PS5 part. I don't know. I mean, um, that is an interesting thing because they—I don't think they've added anything PlayStation 5 specifically. Nope. And that could relate to the next thing that's that that might ties into this is that I think we mentioned it last year towards the end of the year that. Jim Ryan, in an interview with a Russian uh, news outlet, said that Sony is working on their answer for PS for Game Pass, um, and then they're just not ready to show or talk about it. And then this week, David Jaffe, who we might know as the creator of Twisted Metal and the original God of War, uh, said that he spoke to insiders that he still knows at Sony, and that he can confirm that they are working on um, and indeed an answer to to Game Pass. Uh, that he can't say what it is or, or talk specifics, but it did get him excited, and it is something really cool uh, that's coming up. Um, so it could be that the whole is now kind of ties into that part, um, but we don't know for sure because um, Sony hasn't mentioned anything about it, and that's the, the annoying part about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, no idea what's up with that one, but. Yeesh. I mean, at the same time, you have Game Pass having Outriders day and date. But only know? for the console, not for the PC. So I never understood yeah. that. Yeah, that's also a weird thing. Like, they should step up their game with Game Pass on PC. Well, I like that all the Microsoft games that come to uh, Game Pass come to PC and Xbox at the same day. Side note, they're also apparently working on getting... Um, uh, the backwards compatibility from Xbox in Game Pass. Oh, that's nice. So that would mean, you know, like Xbox 360 games 
and original Xbox games will be available um, not just in Game Pass, but in xCloud. Oh, that's really nice. Which is really great. And I think it's in beta right now, or it's going to be going into beta soon for yeah. some people. But that, like, Microsoft is doing all that stuff, and, like, Sony is just on the other end being like, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, old games. But, like, PS Now offers a pretty big library of PS4, PS3, PS2, and I think PS1, or at least... Yeah, but they don't promote it in that way. No, I mean, but that's, like, the whole issue with PS Now, that it's... I I stopped using it. I, like, only tried it initially when it came out, and I didn't have a great experience with it. But I hear that they've, like, over the years, that they really made it great. I don't know if it's already running on the Azure architect uh, infrastructure, because Sony made a deal with Microsoft, of course, uh, two years ago that they would use the cloud technology, uh, the Azure technology that Microsoft has. Um, so I don't know if it's already transitioned to that. But a lot of people say like, hey, it is, it's really good now. It's, the funny thing is, is Sony's not actively promoting PlayStation now. They have it and they casually mention it. But if you look at the amount of value that you get for it and the amount of games that you can play all those PS3 and 2 games, but you can also download the PS4 games that are in the service. Um yeah, I, it's a strange move. It, it's almost like they have it just to say, hey, we're doing something with cloud gaming, but it's not our focus. Um, so it feels like a wasted opportunity. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with PlayStation now. And but I have no idea like what they're doing. It's just... That this new service will just take it over and that they will promote the hell out of it. Yeah, I worry about, about PlayStation every now and then because it kind of feels like they're awkwardly drifting towards like post PlayStation 2 territory where they were feeling really smug about themselves just a tad uh, um yeah i mean i understand what you're what you mean with that and I, I i definitely hope it's not that because i really hope it's not because that would really suck yeah cuz what they wasted on the PS3 they earned back and more on the PS4 but um it it can't be this constant up and down where one generation there there's humble the uh, publisher and the second and the generation after they're like this ah I'm the cool kid on the block look at me ha 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 stuff like that you know exactly I think the funny thing is is in uh, uh, in often um, it is mentioned that it has to do with Jim Ryan being CEO of PlayStation now so that that like bit and I don't know in what in what extent it's true that. People left PlayStation because of his, his because of his views on it. It's the same like that the Japan studio is being shut down and restructured around Team Asobo, Asobi. So like that's also a, a thing because the Japan Studios never was uh, a developer that made these triple A super hits, but they always made these um, unique, interesting. yeah, unique and, and, and interesting experiences. So bye bye Ape Escape. Yeah. And that uh, was also Japan Studio, right? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have uh, we have two things on the list, but there's also one thing that I want to mention that I that I uh, caught the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but let's work off the list because um, then at least we know we've covered the list. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Microsoft being all very pro gamer. Um, apparently they have been in talks with Kojima and that he might actually be working on a game with Microsoft to court Japanese developers. I'm assuming they mean that, you know, that Kojima puts out a very stellar game that 
that comes out on Xbox only, and that that would entice Japanese developers to be like, look, Kojima put out this great game, and it's selling well on, the, on like Microsoft consoles. You can do that too. Ooh. Probably, yeah. Um, I uh, I personally think it might, but I, I don't know who holds the rights for Death Stranding. If it's Sony or if it's Kojima, I think it's Kojima. I, my initial feeling would be. Death Stranding is coming to Xbox, which is fine. I mean, games have been exclusive, timed exclusives. Um, it would feel strange if Kojima went and made an Xbox exclusive purely because I think when Kojima Productions was refounded, to put it that way, Sony helped him a lot by both both pouring money into the studio to get him up and running, but also doing that technology trip with Mark Cerny around the world to find the tech to power Death Stranding, in which they ended up with Decima, which powers uh, Horizon as well. So it would be kind of like a strange move if he suddenly says, well, thanks, Sony, for all the help you gave me, but now I'm going to switch to Xbox and make a game exclusively for them because I don't feel like Kojima has been a guy that's all about the money so that he wouldn't care about it, but... I mean, you never know. Uh, loyalties do change, unfortunately, in the game industry. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think... I, I've, I think I've already made a statement about this, but I, I, I won't buy an Xbox for this. <laughs> and people are holding holding me on to it, but I, simp- I will not buy an Xbox for this. And I'll play it on PC, but I won't buy an Xbox for this. Yeah, let's, uh, let's see how that goes, right? Yeah, so... Uh... When he has when he has that uh that Xbox Series S or, S or X, uh, we'll uh, we'll talk later. I, I'm going to be honest. I was thinking about I don't know why. It was, it's just like when you have some downtime, you just think about stuff. I was like, hmm, should I get a Series S so I can at least play some Microsoft games? And I'm like, yeah, but like I don't want a Series S. I at least want a Series X because then at least I can experience everything in 4K 60. But then I thought like, what am I gonna play on it? <laughs> and then I stopped there because I'm like, I don't know what to play on it. Yeah, I don't know what you'd play on it either because uh, I don't know. Like anything that's available there is also available on PC. So that and as well as like the <laughs> the really blockbuster games are not coming out for another couple of years. I mean, Starfield, Elder Scrolls, stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, outside of that, I think the only other thing that we have is this really random article. <laughs> and I think it's a good one because, oh my goodness. So, uh, police in China uh, had the world's biggest video game cheat operation busted. And these guys were playing with serious though because they were because so apparently you know those cheating programs that people use i don't know but uh, on, i've never uh, used them but uh on uh you know like call of duty and stuff like that um well they have a there's a there was a ring that operated all of that that sold the software and like selling selling the cheating software to people so that they can use that to cheat in like games like Overwatch, Call of Duty Mobile, stuff like that. And uh, the Chinese police were working with Tencent, the Tencent games in China, to bust these guys. And the stuff that they got in the raid is ridiculous. Luxury sports cars, like worth like $46 million. 
in total. Like, if you see the pictures, like, these really fancy sports cars with, like, these weird custom custom makes. Um, they, good grief. Uh, like, the whole thing was... Oh, my goodness. You know what, you know what the, fun, the fun part is? The operation that... The operation name, the bus name, was called Up the Chicken Drumstick. Yeah, I read that. <laughs> oh man, like the you're buying like software from Chicken Drumstick to cheat in like Call of Duty and and probably in in, in what's it called again, uh, PUBG. So now now you're having chicken dinner from Chicken Drumstick, <laughs> and it was probably a winner winner chicken dinner for the cops. Yeah. <laughs> So uh yeah that that that's that was quite the bust. I don't think um well first of all I like you know that stuff like that is being made but mostly you think it's like just this one guy or a group of friends are making cheats cheat software and they're like either distributing it for free or they're selling it for cheap. But this was like a proper like a proper scheme. And like people were paying ten bucks a day, or uh, to like cheat because it was a subscription service. They weren't selling it just outright. It was a subscription service. Like you subscribe to, like Hello Fresh or Netflix or whatever. I never or, understood but, why people do that. I mean, why people would cheat? But yeah, I mean. But why would you subscribe to a cheating software? Yeah, but like, why would you cheat in general? I mean, I, I never understood that. Because people like ruining other people's days. Probably. And they feel like they're the bee's knees. And I don't know why. Like, why would you feel like you're the best if you're cheating, right? I I mean, I can't imagine that being fun because it would get boring, I think. But that's... Oh, no, they, they thrive on that stuff. So it's not like it's boring to them. I don't think it ever gets boring for them. For them, it's just... Lash. It's just like, oh, I'm clowning on these guys. Oh, the... <laughs> Don't do Sorry, that's scary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the other two <laughs> things that I wanted to mention is the mm. first one is that, and uh, I really want to hear your take on this, is that uh, the Nintendo Switch got a 12.0 update this week, which basically didn't do anything major, which is strange because, I mean, with major, any major release or at least a big number, people would expect anything. People have been digging around in the files and they found that the firmware of the dock has been upgraded updated well, there's a up there's an update for 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 the dock firmware it doesn't yeah. do anything but as far as we can tell for the current version there's also a reference in there to something else which ties into the whole yeah which ties into the whole Super Nintendo Switch Pro uh rumors that has been floating around why do you keep adding stuff to it because uh, you hate it when I call it the Switch Pro, and I know you love the Super Nintendo Switch, so I thought I'd just mash them together. That sounds even worse. Yeah, that it'll probably be the new the new Nintendo Switch. But anyways, um, I, I think it's interesting because Nintendo is also going to participate in E3 this year. Well, they haven't not participated in E3. Before, yeah, but then because they always did like a Nintendo Direct, but I don't know if they. No, like... oh, no, like they don't like they still like here's the thing, because the the only reason why they do the Nintendo Direct thing is because they stopped doing the live presentation stuff. So it's not like anything is changing in that sense. It's just that because they've always been a part of like E3, they just stopped doing the live press conference. Mm, okay. 
Um, and that also ties into that the Summer Festival of Games or Summer Games Festival is also going to happen this year again. And it's going to happen throughout the entirety of June or July, I think. Uh, it's in June. So people are like, hey, is it going to be around the same window as E3? And what's going to be more popular and why? <laughs> uh, well, Summer of Games has a whole month, whereas E3 is a weekend and a week and a half. So like, it's, I think, like five days or something. Yeah, but, but I think E3 I like normally... the E3 format because it's like all condensed into that week. Whereas yeah. with the Summer Games Festival, it's it, but that's the issue that I had last year that I just lost track of stuff because they spread it out so much that a lot of stuff got announced, but like a lot of stuff was like not interesting enough. Yeah, but like I said, they had to do stuff on the fly. So if you're doing stuff on the fly, you're gonna have to give yourself a bit more wiggle room to do it in wiggle, but it wiggle. seems like it seems like this time around they're doing it in one month and they probably have a way better um spread and they have things way more organized than they did the year before so that's going to be interesting yeah. to see how that's going to get yeah um yeah so basically that mm -hmm. and with that i think that's it yep so stick around, we'll be right back with what we've been playing. And we're back with the second segment, which is, of course, what we've been playing. So, Sean Templer, what have you been playing? I, um... I was talking to someone uh, last week about uh, what games I was playing. And I said, like, hey, I'm, I'm in my dip and I just, you know, don't feel like playing anything. And then I got the tip to play like a lighter game or maybe like an indie game, something that isn't as story focused. And I thought, like, hey, that's actually a pretty good tip. Let me just try it out. So what I did is, is I downloaded uh, Abzu, which is free in the Play From Home initiative Sony is doing right now, where they give away 10 games for free. Um, so I had no, I, I, I knew what the game looked like, but I, I thought like, yeah, whatever. It's not my kind of game. So I downloaded the game and, um, it's not a really long game. I think you can finish it in like a, a couple of hours. Um, but it's such a f relaxing and, and Zen game. I mean, uh, basically you're a, I think you're a robot that is a diver in the ocean and, um, you you have to set certain sea animals free from certain areas. But at the same time, there is this mechanical force present in the ocean um, that is endangering this, this, this underwater ecosystem. And you basically have to deal with that force um, and kind of set that free. Um, and you have like little robot helpers that can help you out, solve certain puzzles. You can interact with all the the the, the, the sea life. Um, I, I think it's really hard to explain, but when you play it, it will all just kind of make sense. And it is just so zen. I mean, at the end, when I finished the game, it was like I was floating around in my own house. I was so zen. <laughs> I was so relaxed. I don't know. I yeah, the game had that impact. I think. Um, so that was so that was really nice, and it kind of helped me reset because after that i started playing uh anthem i decided you know what anthem next is not going to come out because i was holding up for that it's not going to happen i still want to know where this game is going 
Um, so I installed it on my PS4 and I started playing Anthem again. Um, I I like Anthem. I don't have any issues with the game. Um, I know that a lot of people have issues with the story of the game. Um, I, I, I think I'm only like two hours in or something like that. And um, yeah, there are some minor things in the game where you wonder like, really, Bioware? Is, is this a game made by you? I know you from Mass Effect. I know you from Dragon Age. Though we're like gems and this feels like something halfway in between but for example the flight mechanic of the game is the best flight mechanic so basically how anthem works is is you're on this world and um you as a civilization have to uh deal with um how you call it um there's there, apparently there were some creators and that they 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 shaped and created the world and they used certain tools for that one of them is called the anthem of creation but suddenly they just left it all and went away uh which has caused the world to be in this unstable form in which sometimes um, parts of these tools come alive and cause for events in the game um and you are a freelancer so you're basically a mercenary in an exosuit that is um, uh, basically a, a hero or was regarded a hero uh, to the to humanity or the freelancers were regarded heroes and you're there to protect them by doing co- contracts, for example. Um, and then there's this moment where freelancers fall from grace um, and that you're kind of trying to work your way up to that, that, that reputation again. Um, you can choose from different kinds of suits, which are called javelins. So you have the, the elemental suit, the melee focus suit, the, the tank suit, which is a pretty mean uh, minigun um, or like a, a kind of like a balanced suit, which has uh, both speed and firepower. Uh, I played mostly at that and you fly around to traverse uh, and it's almost like you're Iron Man and they really, really nailed the flying part. It just feels so, so satisfying. Um, if they ever were to make an Iron Man game, they need to rip that flying mechanic because it's really good. Um but yeah, you do you do contracts. It's it's basically meant to be played in co-op, but there's not a lot of people playing the game, so it's really hard. I tried matchmaking, but it really takes long. So I just play the game solo. Um, there are bits scattered throughout the world that give you hints around the story and what it is. It's still a little bit vague, but you know maybe the game will kind of reveal itself as we go on. Um, I like it. As, as I again said, I think there was a lot riding on the game and I expected a lot from the game. And unfortunately, it didn't live up to the, the, the expectations of the game, um, of the community. But, I mean, you can probably pick it up for cheap. And if you're looking for a fun co-op game, I would definitely recommend it. Um, I hope to dive more into it soon. Um, and besides that, I've been playing a bit more of uh, Formula 1 2020. I am uh, still the, the team manager and the driver in my team. The funny thing is, is um, I didn't expect my team to perform at the level that they're performing because I'm basically like it's my first season. I've already managed to get a few podiums, a few second and third spots in there, um, which were a surprise to me because, no, you don't expect to be able to do that in your first season. <laughs> <laughs> but also the cool thing is, is um, when, you, when you're uh, – basically how it works is, is – you have three free practice sessions, then you have qualifying, and then you have the race. Um, in those three free, uh, free practice sessions, you can do all sorts of, uh, uh, how do you call it, um, programs to earn experience points you can use to upgrade the car. 
and um you also have setups for your car so like a, a setup that has more downforce but less speed or balance setup or a setup that has more speed but less downforce and for some reason i made a few upgrades to my car you can upgrade the car in in aerodynamics in, in chassis and in power in uh in other areas and i made a few aerodynamic upgrades but since i did that it looks like my car performs better when I have a higher speed setup. So for example, if you choose a higher speed setup, your car is a bit more stiffer through the corners. So it's a lot more trickier to get through some of the narrow corners. But for some reason with these upgrades I've made, my car is actually performing even better than I expected, which has got me into that position that I could win uh, or at least get a few podiums. Um, I know that there was, for example, a circuit in uh, in Vietnam, which is which was new, but they still haven't raced there which is a, a street track. And I don't like street tracks. Those are really tight tracks, really narrow, tight corners. Um, and after that, I went to, for example, um, I think it was China that we went to the Shanghai track. And then I chose my first high speed setup. And it really felt like I was like this rocket racing over the track. Um, and, and we had a race in, in, in the Netherlands here at Zandvoort. And I also got a win there. Um, so I'm, I'm really surprised but how my car has developed itself. Um, uh, I really like it so far. I don't play a lot. I try to race a couple of uh, times a week to do just one race and leave it at that. But I don't know. I'm, I'm really a happy, happy uh, Formula One fan right now. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> also a track that hasn't been used yet, Sandford. Yeah. So that hopefully this year in September, we'll uh, finally get a race there. But who knows? Who knows? And besides that, that's basically it for me. Oh, what have you been playing? Well, take a wild guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. Hunter. It's it's been it's been nothing but Monster Hunter. I I wanted to play Animal Crossing, but the monsters they must be slain, and it's been really fun. Like I play with a bunch of randoms. I play with my buddy. Um, if there are more people out there that want to play, like just um. Just, just you know, hit me up like hit me up on Instagram, which is uh, which you're gonna hear at the end of the episode. Um, DM me on Twitter or whatever. I would love to play with more people and just have a good old time. I mean, it's fun playing with with randoms because most of the time, what I do is I set my lobby to uh, any language, which basically means that whenever I'm playing online, people from Japan join my hunting sessions which is great because they're like the best <laughs> they they will get you th they will get you through uh, a hunt they will get you through a hunt like no questions asked but the one thing that um like i i think i've talked about this guy before gaijin hunter on twitter or uh, not well he's also on twitter but mostly you know his youtube channel he um he put out a video lately that was going on about how he's been seeing, and I can attest to that, I'm also a bit guilty of it myself, uh, is how a lot of people were playing, uh, when hunting a monster multiplayer, they end up catching the monster. And unlike with Monster Hunter World, where it didn't matter if you captured or um, hunted the monster, so like killed it, this brings back the old mechanic of well, if you hunt a monster, you get different rewards. And if you capture a monster, 
can get different rewards. You get less rewards. Okay, that's uh, strange. And um, because of that, it, it you you miss out on parts that you might need during um, any kind of any kind of hunt. If you're like doing something related to uh, say an uh, uh, armor set that you want, if you're capturing, you might not get the parts that you need. And that really sucks. And I was like, oh, okay, that actually makes a lot of sense. So um, some 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 guy on Twitter like shared with uh, with Gaijin Hunter, and I saw it that you can make custom stickers in Monster Hunter, which is really cool. You have these set stickers that um, that have set like translated stuff that auto translates, but you also have blank stickers that you can fill in whatever text you want. And there's this one sticker with a guy going like, no like with his arms crossed <laughs> and he filled in do not capture oh like in bold letters and i was like and he was like oh that's brilliant like oh my gosh that's brilliant where can i find this so i looked for it myself and i figured out how to do it so i also have that same sticker now that says do not hunt so whenever i go online and i specifically want to like hunt a monster and not just capture it i like kind of spam that sticker just so that people get it across that no, do not put up a trap and capture it. I want to hunt this. I want the extra. Con- I want the extra parts. I need the extra parts for this armor that I'm making. And it's worked for two out of three matches so far. So I've. I think the only time it didn't work is because it was. Um, this one Japanese guy in there and maybe his English was not good because what the system does is that the chat system has universal uh, text Mm -hmm. that are auto translated when you use that. But if you make your own custom um, text or custom sticker, it doesn't translate that because you know, it's not programmed in advance. Yeah. So that is kind of a bummer. So I think that's what happened. And he didn't understand my sticker. So he just ended up capturing it. And I was like, ah, dang it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, but other, but other matches after that and before that, whenever I use that sticker, like people get it and we just end up hunting the monster. So it works at least. <laughs> Because we're doing way more hunts now than we did before. Because most of the time it ended up being captured. Partially because of myself. Because I was doing capture. Because it's way easier to capture monsters now more than ever. Because you get the proper like notification if you're using like a feline. And uh, if you have, sorry, not a feline. If you're using a palico or um, you can see an icon uh, on the monster. That it's exhausted and it's ready to be captured. Which is like this blue icon. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been doing that. So I've been doing way more hunts than I've been doing captures just so I get all the parts, uh, that I need for the, for the armor sets that I want, but you can't get all of them through hunts. Some of them you have to get through other means. And that's been a bit of a challenge, uh, especially for the armor set that I'm going for, which is the Spio, uh, armor set was a really cool armor set that, um, basically lets you negate any poison attacks. So I don't get poisoned anymore. So that's awesome. Um, and then there's the, uh, you know, trying to get like the good 
weapon sets and like the improved weapon sets with like stronger attacks and whatnot. And that's been a lot of fun uh, going through it, um, through it with the multiplayer online. Currently, my hunter rank is six. I think, I think the cap right now before the the April update that's coming on the thirtieth is that the hunter rank is I think capped at either seven or ten or something. I I haven't reached that far yet, but I think it's seven. If it's not, um, feel free to let me know. But uh, yeah, so I'm just working my way through the hunter ranks and trying to get to the highest hunter rank as possible before that new content comes at the end of the month. That includes a new monster, which is a chameleon type. What is it called? Chameleos or something? It's like this chameleon monster who like blends into the environment by uh, by using its uh, uh, camouflage, like a chameleon. Okay. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's a crazy it's a crazy looking monster. It looks like a chameleon and has the weird bug eyes and stuff. So I'm curious to see uh, how that dude fights. And that's pretty much that's pretty much it because that's all I've really like legitimately played i mean that's okay right as yeah, long as you have fun yeah that's the yeah i've been ah, i missed monster hunter like don't get me wrong i love monster hunter world but i felt that the way they structured monster hunter world by taking away the the the, the village quest and the hub quest and basically making it one homogenous blob it was really hard to focus like, I had the most difficulty focusing in Monster Hunter World than I've had in any other game beforehand. And those games still had the separate quests, you know? So I re- I'm really happy with how they did it in Monster Hunter Rise because with the with the village quests, even if you're a single-player uh, kind of person and um, you're focusing on the single-player stuff, you can still do the single-player stuff and also rank up in the multiplayer stuff because you get these like license um these like license qualifiers that you can do in single players which will earn you ranks in the multiplayer so you don't have to like grind from hunter rank 1 to one hunter rank 6 you can do these quests and it'll start you off at hunter rank 3 and move you up as you go through the through the through the village quest um post credits so that's that's a really cool addition that they did to that. It allows single player people to at least catch up um should they want to finally head into the hub and do multiplayer stuff. Okay. So that's it. I think uh oh, with that we've come to another the end of another episode of Game Rivals. Um as always, thank you all for tuning in and um Thank you for sharing the love. I, uh, it's nice to hear people respond to the Q&A we did last episode. It was nice hearing from people like, hey, oh, I really like that you do that. So I think we'll, we'll probably do more often. Um, you can always find us on your favorite podcasting platform around Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Overcast. Uh, you name it, we're probably there. Uh, you can reach out to us by email, gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on social media uh, at game underscore rivals underscore on Twitter. Uh, on Instagram, it's at game rivals. Uh, uh, Maximilian also has his uh, Instagram account at Maximilian. 
uh, where you can all find that Nintendo. Maximilian underscore X. Oh, yeah, that's right. Underscore X. Um, his Twitter is at Maximilian. So that's why I got the confusion. Um, but yeah, if you want some Nintendo Monster Hunter goodness, head on over to his page. Show him some love. Um, if you're into the Nintendo stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Um, he, he did an awesome post on uh, on his uh, Monster Hunter uh, screenshots last week. It was really nice. Um, you can also leave us a voice message through Anchor. You don't have to make an account for that. You can just click in the link in the description, and then you can leave a voice message. We might uh, feature you as a rival. Um, and I think with that, I've covered all bases. Yeah, that's yeah. it. On that yeah. note, I have been and always will be Sean Templer. And I have been and I always will be Maximilian X. And we'll catch you on the next one. Later. Later.